we have the voice of the cats with his famous call touchdown cats six for the cats russ eisenstein five years huh uh 12 actually 12 wow so where did you start if i can ask because i remember following your work but uh, from, you know, listening to the Ohio podcast, I'm like, hmm, who is this guy? And you and I tweeted it, and you sent me a direct message, and I sent you my link to my work, and I'm like, okay, who is this guy? Because you're you're the only one of the only few broadcasters left that I still enjoy that puts their own billboards together. Well, thank you for the compliment, and uh, yeah, it's just something I've believed in. Um, IMG and, and the folks at the, down in Winston-Salem, Learfield IMG now, they, they do all the billboards from the production standpoint from uh, running Carl Shannon's uh, voice through. And, and so the opening actual sponsor billboards are done by them. But um, I believe in, in what you've been listening to over the years, uh, doing the opens. Uh, I love those. Yeah, game-specific. Uh, I think it's a really good use of time. It's about three minutes, maybe sometimes more for special games. But um, I write those. I, I use our uh, player audio and coach audio and put uh, highlights in there. And it really doesn't matter. It could be um, any school that we play, uh, big school, small school, doesn't matter. Uh, there's always storylines and games, and, and that's what those are for. How did you decide to come up with the opponent, like, scouting report and get there? you know, fight song and the highlights and everything like that. Like, was that from the beginning or was that something that you decided to come up with when you started getting into this PHP field and this crazy world of broadcasting that we're in? Well, I, uh, I started at Idaho state. Um, and that was the first time that I was, uh, an actual voice when I, when it was mine and, and, um, so I encouraged them to increase the pregame show to an hour because I thought that, uh, that we could do that. Um, and so a lot of that production and the production elements and the same structure that I did there in Pocatello is pretty much the same structure I do here in Athens. We haven't changed it at all. So um, I thought, of, you know, we'll talk about the opponent throughout the course right. of the pregame show, but that specific segment, I thought, well, let, let's get the fight song in there, give fans a taste of what, what the other school is like, um, use the, the play-by-play cuts that we use, and, and just kind of have that as a, a Cliff Notes version for the Cats opponent or, at that time, Idaho State's opponent. So um, that's, that's how I started doing that, and uh, that's, that stayed true through uh, our football pregame shows to this day. We don't do that for basketball. Sometimes we – Yeah, because you don't have time. Yeah, that's right. Very good. Yeah, our, our, our pregame show is a half hour for basketball. Yeah. But- we try to fill it as, as much as we can with as much production as we can. But, but our football pregame has been constant that way and our basketball too. And I, that's a format that I really believe in. So who mentored you at Idaho State? Like who were you working with before they said, okay, Russ, you're going to have to sink or swim. You're the number one guy. <laughs> well, actually um, at Idaho State, I just applied for that and got that job. Uh, I was in Oklahoma city working for then the New Orleans, Oklahoma City Hornets. And so I did prehab uh, and post and talk shows and TV shows there and uh, talk shows in that market. Um, but at that- You must've worked, must worked with Bob Lick to the voice of the radio voice at the time. I, I did, that's right. Yeah, Bob's a, Bob's a good man. He, uh, he was 
um, moved to TV and Sean Kelly, who now works uh, for ESPN, um, he was the voice that I worked with then. So, um, and that was a unique time, an interesting time, obviously a, a tough time for so many people, but we try to give them some information and entertainment through it. But in order at that time, I felt to get back to the NBA on a play-by-play -play level or a major college, I'd have to be a voice somewhere. And so mm -hmm. uh, that's where that came open. Idaho State was only for a year, uh, but it was a, a productive year to be sure. And uh, Ohio opened up after that. And um, I, I've, uh, I applied for some other jobs that were open during that time that year, but I, uh, Ohio was the one that stuck and uh, have applied for some other things during my time at Ohio, uh, but not the right fit. And so I've been mm -hmm. here for 12, 12 seasons now. What was the draw with Ohio that made you stay there for 12 years now? Like, was it kind of like Pocatello, Idaho, or was there like other things that you were looking at and said, okay, if I'm going to put roots down, I'm going to put them here in Little Athens instead of maybe going to one of the other schools? Well, I, I wouldn't say that's that's the case. Um, I've been very honest with with Ohio fans. I've been honest with my my bosses here at Ohio. I've been very honest uh, via social media as well. I I'm certainly looking. There's no doubt about that. Um, sure. I, I'd like that next step. I, I'd like to be on an NBA level again. I'd like to be uh, at a Power Five school. I, I think a lot of the things we've done here would translate there. Um, but uh, this business is, isn't, isn't fair. This business isn't uh, always about talent. It's not uh, always about uh, certain connections. There's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, do I feel that I could be on that level? Absolutely. Uh, has it been the right fit yet? Maybe not. Uh, who knows if that will happen, but I, I'm certainly looking to be sure. But, but our fans here know, I, I want this to be very clear. Um, our fans know that while I'm here, I'm going to give it everything that I've got while I'm here. And I, I certainly hope that if I were to get that next step, uh, that our fans would appreciate that. They'd be happy for me. And uh, as of right now, I'm the voice at Ohio, and I've got to, got to do the best I can. Uh, and, and that would be in any, any walk of life. If you're doing any job, do it the best that you can. And while I'm here, I, I've got to be the best voice of the Bobcats that I can be. So you proceeded. You came after the current voice of South Carolina basketball, men's basketball, and baseball, Darren Scott. That's right. Was there anything that <clears throat> when you took over, when you went back, and I don't know if you got a chance to go back and listen to some of the stuff or some of the things that he had, you know, put there before you moved on, that you said, okay, maybe I can use this. But, like, how much stuff was still there when you took over the job or what were the things you were looking to add or keep the same with the broadcast that it is now sure um actually there was a gentleman that was in between us uh warren swain is his name um and he was a voice in nebraska for for a couple of years uh with frank solich actually so um when derek left it was then warren for one one year and then I took over after Warren, but without, without a doubt, um, Derek Scott um, and Dick Shore, who is a longtime voice here, um, are the two 
uh, pinnacles as far as voices of the Bobcats. And, and hopefully people think of me in that regard as well. So maybe it's a trio now, but um, maybe, yeah, hopefully. Uh, and, you know, I've been very fortunate. You know, Derek had uh, some big moments to call. Obviously, the 2005 NCAA tournament run the Bobcats had which was in Nashville and, and narrowly lost to Florida, but uh, an iconic call of Williams tips it in of the uh, MAC championship game. And of course he had the, uh, the call to Frank Solich's first win here that was over Pitt. So uh, there are some legendary calls that he's been a part of. Uh, and, and, and I've been fortunate, been fortunate that the football team is, has been able to do that uh, while I've been here. And so all the bowl victories that Ohio has had, uh, I've been able to broadcast um, Still waiting for that first MAC championship. Nearly happened in 2011. Uh, you know, I. I um, <laughs> how, how many times when you've gotten to the MAC championship would you always say the following? Is this the year right. that you finally break the streak? <laughs> yeah, very and much. Yeah, so. you still haven't. Yep. Uh, and what was funny about 2011, I, I grew up a Northern Illinois fan, grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. And, you know, my parents. Baker. My, my parents were there uh, for that game. And um, obviously they're, they're Northern Illinois supporters uh, too. So uh, it was odd. It was, it was uh, weird to see that <laughs> MAC championship for Northern, uh, but I wanted Ohio to win that night. And, and it looked like they were going to and didn't, but you know, I, I've been fortunate to be able to be there and to hopefully do good work around all of these big games that Ohio's been in. And even the, even the, the games that aren't as memorable, we try to do the best that we can to be sure. You went back, you went back to kind of your old stomping grounds again in Idaho for the bowl game. It was probably interesting for you to get back home. You know, it was great. Um, I, I'd been to Boise as a minor league baseball announcer. Um, when I, I did uh, two seasons uh, with Eugene Emerald. Uh, so I'd been in Boise, and, and the thing about those series was they were in the other division, and so you only go on the road one time to play them. So when you were in series there, you were there for about a week, uh, and Boise's a tremendous town. Then I actually got the Idaho State job by when I was there broadcasting the minor league game. The athletic director at the time, Paul Bubb at Idaho State, came over with uh, Frank Mercagliano, who's the sports information director, and New Mexico now. And so basically really? that, that was an audition there in that press box um, in Boise and then uh, got the job at Idaho state. And uh, obviously Ohio's win there in 2011 in the bowl game and to come back there was pretty cool. So yeah, there, there are a lot of ties to Idaho uh, through my time at Ohio. And of course, earlier in my broadcasting career too. Who were your broadcasting mentors at the beginning of your journey that either you still stay in touch with or no longer around or vice versa like who are the guys that you looked up to that you still look up to now well mike reese who's the legendary voice of the southern illinois salukis um who mm -hmm. i think is is one of the absolute pros pros in the game i mean he's 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 tremendous he does it the right way he's a legend um and and he still works his tail off uh, his pregame shows now, if you ever get to listen to SIU football or basketball, uh, they're just loaded up. And, and he uses Twitter now and SoundCloud now. And the production. Oh, yeah. Production I, I, I see a lot of his stuff on Twitter. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's remarkable. It uh, really is. But anyway, so when I was a student at SIU, I, I knew obviously about him. And I, I remember back when Team Line was a thing. Now, now kids, 
kids don't know about that now. Oh, I know. Oh, I know what Team Wine was. Sure. Cause I remember when Van, when I remember when Van would just have their thing on Team Wine, where you'd go back and listen to the games on Team Wine. Without a doubt, right? So, um, when I was a kid growing up, we had family friends who were diehard Saluki fans, and and my dad actually went to SIU as well. So, um, so we listened to Mike Reese on Team Line. Um, and so I knew all about him before I got to Carbondale. And I, I was fortunate based on my upbringing. I mean, I, I knew about all these announcers and knew about broadcast structure and was just immersed in sports and travel and all that as a kid. Uh, so I was fortunate in that regard. And so then when I got to Carbondale, I, I obviously uh, wanted to work for him. Uh, I spent a year at Northern Illinois um, and went down there. So uh, Reese is still a mentor. He's still a guy that I think does it the absolute right way. And then you look at guys in the Missouri Valley Conference, um, uh, obviously Art Haynes, who you visited. Who with. I just got done interviewing. Yep. Not too long ago. Yep. Visited with Art Haynes and, and he's a pro. Dave Snell um, at Bradley is, is tremendous. Dick Ludkey at Illinois State is just <laughs> awesome. He, who I've worked with for a couple of years as well. So, you know, I, I, I grew up listening as, as a Brewer fan to, Pat, Pat Hughes and Bob Euchre, and um, I still have dreams of being on their radio network uh, as a diehard Brewer fan, and uh, I, I'd love to love to do that someday. But um, you know, you listen in the Midwest, and we're we're fortunate in the Midwest that you could turn the transistor radio on and listen to all those games. And now, uh, with Sat Radio and with the internet, you can listen to games from all over. So um, of course, it, yeah, it's pretty cool that fans get to, to hear us, but, but I always talk about listening to other broadcasters too. So, um, so do I, I, I enjoy listening to the broadcast I and mean, I listen to the Cardinals first and foremost. However, I do, when I get a chance, I listen to the Brewers as well. Cause I do enjoy how Uter, you know, when he uses his energy, when he uses it well, it's pretty good. Yeah. He's, he's a legend. And, and obviously you talk about, uh, legends of major league baseball, um, Marty Brenneman in Cincinnati, I, I made it a point to go over the Brewers played the Reds, uh, on the day that he had his final broadcast with the Reds. And so, uh, snagged one of those Marty Brenneman, uh, transistor radios. Obviously he has ties here to Athens where his son, Tom went, um, and Tom mm -hmm. went, uh, uh, was honored, uh, last homecoming, uh, or two homecomings ago about, uh, being distinguished in his ties with Ohio. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a big old world, uh, and there are uh, some some real good broadcasters in it to be sure. Hello, world. We're still we're still we're still here to entertain you and maybe occasionally annoy you as well. <laughs> you bet, absolutely. So, what's your normal what's your normal game prep like in sport with your sports that you normally do when there's actually sports to be played? <laughs> right. Um, I get that question a lot and, and you know, it's never really one uh, carved out hour or all of these hours to, to prep. I, I've been fortunate. You know, my, my father is the smartest sports person I know. Um, and he, um, our home, you know, with me growing up was, it was like a sports information department without being a sports information department. So exactly. uh, you just kind of lived it. And so if there's something interesting that occurs to me, I'll, I'll look it up or I'll write it down. Uh, there are some games where, where I do very little prep, to be honest with you, uh, because, you know, you've got a really good handle. The fortunate thing on the radio side is there's always a play to call. So a lot of times, you know, you could prep your, your tail off and, and not use a lot of the stuff because the game doesn't allow it. 
and, sure. and the thing nowadays that I, I encourage to younger broadcasters is just, just kind of let it happen and then read and react from that. The game notes are there if you need to look something up, but your prep or your understanding of the game might allow you to communicate it that much more. Uh, so everybody's all infatuated with the look or the information on their boards. Um, but really the bottom line here is to communicate what's going on in the game, but also your understanding of that and try to try to allow that to make sense uh, of it all for the listener. So I mean, like how, like, do you ever go back to the notes and while the play's going at the end of the play, you may tie that note in or does it just depend on when you actually need it? Yeah, I guess it's a combination. It's a feel thing. Um, so when, when the play by play is happening so quickly, uh, it's hard to get, it's hard to get that in unless it's instinctual. So, you know, uh, there might be a lot of plays where it, where it's, it's part of a run. Uh, and then you look down to see what that run is, uh, or you, or you have someone tell you, you know, what that run is so you can complete that play. You know, if, if, for example, if Ohio were to get on a run uh, and Jordan Dardis were to bang down his third three and that's part of a 12-0 run, then you kind of intertwine that in your call. That's the way that I do it. Um, and so a lot of times, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll let your instinctual prep come in in an instant when you're trying to tie it all together. So, so you're right on that. Absolutely. So, like, how often are you so, and how often do you have your broadcast partner, Rob Cornelius, and I think a couple of times this year, you had, was it a three-person booth, or is it you, Rob, and somebody else on the sidelines joining in as a third color? Very good. Yeah, you, you listen to us. You know what's going on. So, uh, previously, uh, Ryan Boyd, who now works in the athletic department uh, and university fundraising at uh, Baylor, uh, he was with us. And our, to be fair, our, our sideline equipment wasn't very good, so uh, there wasn't much uh, point in trying to, uh, to run it. So we just brought Ryan up in the booth with us, and it worked out pretty well for football. Uh, basketball, sometimes I'll work solo. Rob's actually got adult work that he's got to do. So, uh, and, and, you know, in the Midwest, it's hard. Sometimes, like, for example, we played at Eastern Michigan this year, and there was a blizzard between West Virginia and Michigan. So it, it really didn't oh make much sense for him to come up. Didn't want him to be in danger. So I told him, I'm like, look, I'll take it. So. Uh, there might be a couple of games throughout the course of the year that, that I do solo, but very fortunate to have Rob. Uh, he's an Ohio alum. He doesn't have to do this. This is not his main source of income, but sure. as long as I'm here, I, I want Rob to be with me. That's for sure. So I guess when you're doing baseball on the one station network, and I guess you fly solo for all those who are still on the telephone line, because I guess there's no way that they could have like, digital ISBN wherever the, the game is being relayed back to in the studio. Well, we do it now, um, fortunately, in our home games, and I, I believe most Mac press boxes have hardwired internet there. So the same equipment that we use for our football and basketball broadcasts, we still use now for baseball. Uh, this, this year, if there were to have been baseball, uh, there was one student that was going to actually work the home games with me. Uh, and I've tried to do that in my career. I think that's important. Uh, but obviously, this, this baseball season uh, is not going to happen on the collegiate level, uh, at least on, on the Division I level. So um, for us and, and many leagues, and the College World Series already has been uh, canceled, uh, 
but yeah, I, I've worked with students and we've connected now the same way that we do in, in football and basketball. So like, what things are you in today's broadcast do you like and what things would you like in the world of radio broadcasting that you would like to see improved? I, I really want it to be more natural sounding. Um, and I've, I've said you. this um, to, to young broadcasters um, and e even older broadcasters. You know, when we do baseball, we, so many people just kind of dive right into that standard baseball-like language and, and tone of speaking. Uh, not everybody's voice sounds the same. And so I'd, I'd encourage everyone to just try to be yourself, be natural. You, you can't be somebody else. Um, exactly. I, I think that there are standards that you have to do, time and score, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's universal. But how you describe things is important. And, and, and again, as we're speaking, you know, my father uh, was, is blind in his left eye, has been since birth. Uh, and so really? I've, I've been around uh, uh, him and he has vision issues. Um, and, and it's amazing what he can see in his one eye, uh, which is probably more than I see with two. Um, but, but I've, I've uh, always been conscious of that. And, and so I, I always try to broadcast with as much clarity as I can for people with, with vision issues. Um, and, and obviously if people don't, then they're going to get as, as vivid of a picture as possible too. So uh, I've always tried to broadcast in that way. And that, that comes from being around my dad and um, uh, obviously the, the, the challenges that he's had from a vision standpoint. Has, has there ever been anything like tough as the voice of the Bobcats like on a, I don't know, football Saturday or a basketball season where you may have to go to plan B and do the phone line instead of being on the regular network side until the issue gets fixed or has that ever happened with Learfield IMG? Luckily well, it hasn't happened much. We, we have had a uh, couple of occasions where, you know, power has gone out or we haven't been able to connect. And so you got to kind of scramble a little bit there. Uh, it's, it's been very, very rare. Uh, I remember one time when we were in Buffalo for basketball, our equipment just wouldn't, it just wouldn't work. Uh, and so I, I did the game on, on a phone, not a cell phone, but an actual plug-in phone. Um, so it, it's happened before. And, and every broadcaster has their old uh, <laughs> battle stories about how they got on the air. When I was in WJBC in Bloomington, Illinois, uh, I remember Martying to a Marty in a principal's office that went over a phone line. Um, <laughs> and so you just kind of make it work. Luckily now, and, and, you know, we, we sound like, like old grizzled vets now when we say, ah, kids, they don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think with technology now, um, that kind of stuff is less and less than it was before. But uh, I hope it may be a better broadcaster. It certainly uh, maybe took some years off my life in, in trying to get the games on the air. Since you handle all three sports, is it one of those where you just – go with whichever one's in season or do you have a particular favorite yeah so that you enjoy calling right from an enjoyment standpoint my, my dad says baseball is my best sport he enjoys uh <laughs> hearing me call baseball um when i was in eugene and in, in the um mid 2000s he was still working uh 
uh, with his best friend at the time at an insurance agency. And there were a lot of times that our games and Eugene would go to 11 or midnight uh, and he'd get up, you know, just a couple hours later to drive into work, but he loved listening to the call so much. I think basketball's probably my best, uh, just my, my way of calling a game and, and the flow of the game. I think football is the hardest because it's such a big field. I know there are, there are demarcations on the field, but with 22 bodies out there to try to and it's hard. Yeah, to and try to pick up everything. Yeah, to try to properly articulate how somebody got. Um, so yeah, football football is difficult when it comes to that regard. And and uh, I've tried my best, and I, I try it every year to try to get better at it. Uh, but it's a difficult sport. You keep spotting chart or the or anything like that because I'm a lot of broadcasting spotting chart or the spotting boards, whatever they call them. I just use a notebook and two rosters and just go from there. But I know a lot of people have their own different styles and ways of making sure they have all the pieces of information they need. Well, there's a, there's a gentleman named Tony uh, Britt um, and he's based out of Harrisonburg, Virginia. And uh, he has a, a, a spotting chart service. Um, basically it, it's a, it's an awesome layout. Uh, all the stats are computed in there. And every week um, I get that. Luckily, uh, uh, the folks here at, at Learfield IMG have been able to, to, to pay for that, which I'm, I'm grateful for. But um, the layout of his uh, service is awesome. He's had some articles written, written about him. Uh, there are guys on ESPN that uses his charts, and, and it's a business that's taken off. Uh, but the layout of it is perfect, and, and that's what I use. I know it probably kept you longer than expected because I know you're probably – Trying to figure out what you're going to handle next, but I know with football season right around the corner, how do you feel like the football team coming off the bowl game win? Do you think this could be a springboard for them for next season? Without a doubt. You know, Ohio's won three bowl games in a row now, and that's the first time that's happened in the MAC since the early 70s. Um, there is a change at quarterback. Uh, of course, Nathan Rourke has uh, graduated and, and will mm-hmm. move on. Uh, hopefully to a successful pro career he, uh, here or in Canada, probably most likely in Canada. He could be a star in the CFL. He's a Canadian-born player, so that's always important. Um, and Frank Solich is going into year 16, so uh, there's been a lot of winning here. Uh, there most likely will be another Rourke who's at quarterback, Nathan's brother Curtis. Um, but everything's been put together well here, and uh, it's a program that has won a lot, hopefully a MAC championship soon. Uh, but yeah, three bowl wins in a row. There's a whole lot of bobcat buzz about football. That's that's for sure. What about the what about the MAC conference? Makes it so good. Like, because I know the Missouri Valley's been around a while, but what European has made the MAC where it is now? Well, there, there's a lot of a uh, lot of topics that we could talk about off of that that question. Um, I, I think. You know, midweek football has, has certainly uh, had action. Some, yeah, has had some positives and some negatives too, and that's both have been written about. Both have been talked about. Um, obviously, it's been a major boom for the attention of the league when it comes to midweek TV and radio uh, crowds. Of course, have uh, uh, have uh, dissipated because of weather up here and because of the nights that the games are on. So that's a that's mm. something that we could talk about. Uh, at a, a later date or a longer topic. 
but the, but the Mac. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would have, that would definitely have its own podcast. Oh, without yeah. a doubt, without a doubt. <laughs> and, and I understand both sides. I have my own opinions on it, but I understand where the Mac comes from too. Um, from a basketball standpoint, it's been a long time since the league is, has had multiple bursts in the NCAA tournament. And, and this year would not have happened again. So we're talking two decades of just one team in the tournament. Um, so the league- Somebody asked me, and sorry to cut you no, off, you're fine. but somebody, you know, we were talking about when the basketball season was going on, all these one bid where you have to win the tournament plus the regular season. And if you don't win the, you know, if you don't win the tournament, you're relegated to the NIT. For a lot of these conferences, no matter how you schedule, no matter how the NCAA, you know, sets its marks, for all these small conferences, these one big league, maybe two, it seems like every time they keep adjusting the goalposts, it gets harder and harder. It does. Uh, And so Northern Iowa would be that case this year where – Definitely. But to to be very fair – I'm, I'm a Missouri Valley guy. I love the Valley. I, I think that the Valley is a tremendous league. Doug Elgin, Mike Kern, mm-hmm. Jack Watkins, all those guys do a tremendous job. And, and, and Patty Viverito, who has been a longtime member of the conference, she's commissioner on the football side uh, from that regard. But um, they, they know it. Northern Iowa could not have lost in the first round. Uh, nope. And, and they did. And, and they did. And the way that they did was unfortunate. They got smoked. Yeah, it was disappointing. Uh, it's it's very rare that a Ben Jacobson coach ball club will go 11 minutes without scoring, and that's what happened against Drake. So, um, yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, if they could ever find a way to make a shot, right. because it was like, I mean, most of them were wide open. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it was like this team that had 25 wins wins the regular season, gets right. the number one seed, right. And get lose to a team that had to play the eight nine the ever dreaded play in game like you guys did this year, just to get the Cleveland, and then you had nothing. Yeah, that's right. Um, and and unfortunately, just the way that it was set up, um, you you've got to get at least to the semis and maybe to the championship game. Um, and so I, I don't think if there was a selection that Northern Iowa would have been in. Obviously, you and I would would have been in the NIT and probably would have been a a, a, a host pod. Yeah, so, um, but you're right, uh, it's a challenge. And obviously with with leagues expanding their conference uh, number of games that they play, the Big Ten and others are increasing the number of games that they have. It's harder and harder for some of these teams to get those games to try to boost their resumes. Now, Akron had a shot this year against Louisville, played very hard, lost. Against West Virginia, played very hard and lost. Northern Iowa was in the same case. They played hard and lost. Uh, against WVU. So uh, there yep. were some of those chances this year that Common unfortunately opponents. they didn't get. Yep. So if you, you know, if you were the czar of college sports, what things would you implement or change to make it fair for everybody besides the power five? I think on the college side, when it comes to uh, men's basketball, uh, I think you need to have a winning record within your league. Um, I think you, you need to have uh, certain requirements when it comes to scheduling uh, to allow that to be fair. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, we're, we're in a power league, so it doesn't matter about our conference record. Well, you're in there. You have all those chances, so you better win those games. 
So I think you should yep. be above 500 in your league to be able to qualify for an NCAA tournament berth. Um, from, a, from a football standpoint, uh, if we're going to uh, uh, have the illusions that everybody can play for a national championship uh, from uh, the Big Ten all the way down to the Sun Belt uh, or, the or Conference USA, uh, you better have a playoff, but you better have all of the conference champions in there. You better have representation from every league. And if you don't yep. have that, then you might as and well. Then what's just, the point? You might as well just break off into the Power Five and then move the rest to FCS football. I'm an FCS school graduate. There is nothing wrong with an FCS playoff or national championship. And so that would be the conversation that I would force everybody to have. Of I love the for some strange reason I've always loved how the F FCS does their playoff. Oh, without a doubt, it's, it's, it's like it's great. It's like they get it right. It's like <laughs> you're the number one seed. Yeah, you get to host all the way until you get to wherever the destination is. If you're if you're one, two, or three, or four, unless you lose, right. until you have to travel to that number one seed or number two seed, you basically are going to get the benefits of what your record is. Without a doubt, you're right. The regular season means something. Those seeds mean something. Was as we talked about you and I a lot in this in this conversation. Yeah, but, um, exactly. But, but here's another one. Uh, Northern Iowa unfortunately goes on the road. Uh, to uh, play a midweek game uh, against mm -hmm. James Madison. James Madison eventually – The Dukes. Yeah, that's right. Went on to the championship game and, and lost to North Dakota. And State. lost to the Bison, who are just dominant. Right, right. So, and, and it's unfortunate for James Madison because if that game were on Saturday and not moved for TV, they would have had a Friday. probably a packed house there. It was a, a cold, wet night, uh, a really good game. But James Madison, that 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 – draws very well unfortunately didn't have a lot of people there for it but you know same thing same thing with the uh what was it who was that other team that was in there austin p won the ovc but they ran into sacramento they ran into uh montana state that, that's right they had to travel all the way across country yep and had to travel have, had to travel twice uh yeah to do it so yeah there, there are shortcomings when it comes to the one double a playoffs and uh the entrance of of tv moving games is part of that too uh, but but in a lot of ways they do it right, and so we'll see where this goes in about ten years maybe. Uh, if I'm hoping it's less than ten, I'm hoping it's more like five. Sure. Because to be honest with you, the quicker they can figure out how to make the FCS playoff fit like with the D1, because another friend of mine and I we were talking about this. Like, how is it that the FCS can get it right? Mm -hmm. And with all the, this college football committee and the CFB playoff committee or whatever they want to call it, pick the best four in every week. It's a fluctuating thing. And if say you're sitting at number four and you lose, but yet it's not by much, you get to keep your spot. Right. While the team that's at number five sure. wins by more than three scores. Sure. And yet, because they win by more than, you know, 20, right. they get penalized yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, I, I, as as a Southern Illinois alum and fan, uh, I, Southern was on the wrong side of the bubble when it came to the FCS, and and some Salukis will say that that wasn't fair. I'll I'll, I'll say it was fair. I I, I think that uh, Southern was. And unfortunately, they ran into the number one seed. Yeah. In, in I think in the, in the same in their same conference. Very, very good. Yeah. So if if Northern uh, or rather if uh, uh, Southern had somehow beat North Dakota State, they would have been in. 
so they had that game to be able to try to do it, albeit an upset. Uh, but anyway, yeah. so yeah, we'll, we'll see in, in 10 years if the MAC, if the Sun Belt, uh, some schools in Conference USA, if they're still playing Division One FBS football, or if there's going to be a major uh, major shakeup and and more teams are are moved to the FCS. Here's what I wonder: at some point, don't you think all these conferences should just join as one conference? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm just you know just spitballing here because <laughs> I was thinking to myself. You know, CUSA, the American, right. all these other conferences that are kind of broken off into this, that, whatever. Sure. What do you think all these small conferences are going to be like, hey, what if people didn't take the label off of what right. we are and everybody just join up as one thing and then you can get a true team? Yeah, I, I, I think money uh, is going to um, uh, eliminate that possibility. Probably. Um, you know, there, there was talk recently about uh, maybe some of the California schools or, or Colorado or um, them leaving the Pac-12. And, and a lot of that's based on TV money, based on potential leadership, uh, some, some uh, um, people that aren't happy. Here's the question, where league. would they go? Yeah, so it's, it's, <laughs> it'll be a big question to be sure. I don't think we're done with realignment yet. I don't think we're done with classification alignment yet. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, uh, in about 10 years when we uh, when we talk in 10 years, uh, too, uh, we'll see where everything uh, gets shaken out, too. When Rutgers moved to the Big Ten, to me it made sense. But now as I look at it, I'm like, if Rutgers had a do-over, mm-hmm. do you think the Big East maybe would have kept football? all instead of just dropping it all together no that's a really good question with the way it's it's gone with UConn uh and of, of course UConn had a year of success in making the Fiesta Bowl and all of that yep um with an eight and four record right it will, it will be interesting to see um if, if there was honesty um about how how people would feel about it you know Rutgers would have probably made the NCAA tournament this year uh based on their resume and the conference they were in but yeah, it's it's a fair question. It's a good question. Because um, I I talked to a friend of mine. I, I texted a friend of mine, and we, you know, because I had asked him, who's the American. You probably know him very well, the Memphis Tigers, by my play voice. Sure, a fellow Saluki. Willow. A fellow Southern Illinois graduate, absolutely. Dave Wolosian. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Really. Uh huh. Dropping knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> but I asked him. You know, because the way Memphis finished, finished sixth in the conference, they had the 11 seed, and sure they had won that game, they would have gotten the three seed. Right. And I texted and asked him before the tournaments got canceled and things like that, with this COVID-19 and the coronavirus and everything else that's going on, which is basically the top news story for the next, oh, I don't know, to Kingdom Come. Right. If the tournament would have been, you know, kept going as is expected, and Memphis would have gotten out of the first round, and they would have played Tulsa. Would have getting into the semifinals have basically gotten them in the tournament, or would they have had to have gotten a championship circuit? And I'm thinking, okay, if Memphis had to have made the championship round, they would have definitely had to have beat Tulsa, probably, mm-hmm. you know, Houston, and most likely they've had to have played Cincinnati, not win it, but keep it close and at least force the, at least force the committee to at least reevaluate where they were. Yeah, potentially. 
Um, but then, you know, you're, you're adding another team to the bubble and it was a soft bubble. Um, and so none of these things occur in a vacuum. So um, sure. how the American uh, tournament goes, uh, who's to say that, that in the Pac-12 tournament, Oregon State doesn't go on a run. Uh, or Arizona. Sure. Because uh, so Arizona just because before the tournament got canceled, right. they just knocked out Washington, which probably put Washington not even making an NIT. Oh, no, Maybe no, they, no. they probably would have made the CBI because most of the CBI would take teams that are 15, 16 wins anyway. Sure. Or lower. Yeah. They probably would have taken that. Yeah. Washington was nowhere near the NIT or NCAA. Uh, the CBI actually was canceled. Uh, to the CIT, never made an announcement, but obviously I think it, it would have been ultimately everything was as well. So, yeah, so uh, when, when judging bubbles, you have to take a look at the rest of the country as well and see how that stacks up against maybe another case from another league when somebody else makes a run. So you're right back to where you were, and ultimately yep. it's probably going to be the four schools that you were debating, four, 10, 12 schools that you were debating at the start anyway, and so it probably would have put Rutgers – in the NCAA tournament, yeah. Let's let's play that. Like, okay, I know I've kept you longer than expected, but man, we've gotten into conversation. We just haven't stopped it. So. <laughs> That's all right. I actually like these. Actually, good. But <clears throat> where Ohio was the eight seed? Would that would they have had to have made the run to the championship game to at least even have a chance of being talked about? Or do you think they would have been stuck if they would have made the championship game with the NIT no matter what? The the NIT would not have happened. Um, even if Ohio had gotten to the championship game, that, that wasn't going to happen. Um, the school would have then had to have made uh, a decision on, uh, from a budgetary standpoint, about applying for home games in the CBI or CIT. Uh, if Ohio were to have beaten Akron, uh, I think it would have been a slam dunk that Ohio would have made that financial commitment uh, to play in, in one of those tournaments, CIT or CBI. Uh, based but we on, don't know that because we right, didn't play the tournament. Right, no, no doubt. And, and I do think that Ohio had a really good shot against the Zips. It was a noon game. Um, Ohio, if, if, if fans were there, Ohio would have had as many uh, Akron fans. Ohio lost by two at home to them, lost by seven and yep. led for the bulk of the contest at the jar. So I liked mm -hmm. Ohio's chances. I really did. What is that arena in Akron? Because I, because I see a lot of these arenas that you go to. How many of those arenas are actually have good sight lines and good, you know, mm -hmm. press facilities and things like that? Would you go to those particular fields of the arenas and the conference? You know, everybody within the league, um, we're, we're courtside pretty much everywhere in the league, with the exception of Toledo, we're off the floor. And uh, here at Ohio, we're off the floor here. But uh, the vantage point here is tremendous. Um, so we're, we're lucky when it comes to basketball. Uh, I think, you know, Western Michigan, we're pretty much at half court. I love going up there. Uh, there's another guy, Robin Hook, who's been the voice of the Broncos for a long Forever. time. Forever. Yeah. Um, so I, I love going. It's sad to see Don Shino pass away too. Yeah, no doubt that, that was a sad one. And, and when it happened too, the timing is never good for any of this. And they were in the championship game. Right, right. And that's, that's what hurt for all of us that knew Don. I, I, I knew, we all knew how special it was to him that his Chippewas were there. So uh, you're right. It was, um, it was uh, uh, heartbreaking at that time. Uh, but the league, yeah, the, the league, we have good sight lines. We have good basketball uh, vantage points. I, I, I enjoy broadcasting in this league in that regard. 
what was done Shida Lake that you got when you had the interaction with him? Because from what I've heard from everybody else, he was fantastic to be with, be around. Uh, top shelf individual. You know, I, I'm not going to say that he and I were incredibly close. Um, it's just obviously. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying like incredibly close. I'm just saying like when you guys had interactions sure. and pregame chats sure. and yeah. Um, you know, Don. Stuff like Don was a very like nice man. Um, he was. Uh, he had this kind of little giggle that uh, <laughs> that you would hear, and uh, it was just a, a kind of a chido chuckle of sorts. So. Uh, real good dude, loved his Chippewas. Uh, I, I'm friends still with the, the previous voice of the Chippewas, Ryan Schuling, who now works out in Denver. But um, yeah, Chides was a, a good man. Um, certainly loved his family, loved his Chippewas, loved broadcasting. Uh, and we always liked being around him and, and we'll miss him in the Mac. And, and the Mac lost um, Maury Mannies, who was a longtime voice at Ball State. Recently, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know he had passed away. Yeah, he didn't passed that. away, and and, and I had heard that that the last couple of years were tough. Um, uh, and and because I I listened to a couple of his broadcasts. Yeah, when I got a chance, maybe not all the way through, but he, he was a good man uh, and a long time. Just his style. Yeah, he he uh, and he was a guy that that um, uh, was was a throwback. A lot a lot of broadcasters at that time had other things mm-hmm. going on. Business owners, radio station owners in town. And so the voice of the Cardinals, it was not his main thing. It wasn't his only thing. Uh, right. and the cool thing about it was um, uh, we presented him with a, a basketball uh, when, he came, oh, wow. when he came here for his last visit here. And I think it was in 2012. And so, I think so. Yeah, because so, I remember 50-year voice of That's right. Yep. Uh, 56, I believe. But 50. God. Yeah, I know. So I'm way off. Well, no, no. You're, yeah, it's all right. You were, you were close. But. No, because because I, I'm I'm sitting there like fifty plus years. Right. Yeah. And and that that's hard it, to accomplish. It is in this day and age, without a doubt. That's hard. And so at Worthen Arena, they have a display case there of of Maury memories uh, prior to mm-hmm. him passing. And and the cool thing was the basketball that we gave him here at Ohio uh, was in that case, and so that was pretty cool. Did they did they name did they name the broadcast position after you know what Manning's broadcast? I, I don't know. I, I'm sure the Ball State will do something um, uh, when it comes to that. And, and you know, Ball State's very fortunate. They've got a, a really good young broadcaster in Joel Gadet, play by play who does a great job as well. So we've got some good ones in this league that have been here for a while, and I'm fortunate to to be in it still, and hopefully keep climbing. So. Besides the goals we talked about at the top of this interview, what other goals are you looking at for yourself? Yeah. And I, what do you want your legacy to be when you're done? Well, hopefully a long way still. Uh, I just turned 40 this year, so that makes you think about a lot of things. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I want I want to get as high uh, to a, as high of a level as I can. I, I believe that. Um, the NBA is something that I'd, I'd like to try from a play-by-play side. I think my broadcast, the way that I broadcast games, is conducive to that. Um, I, I think that the NBA is, is a show. It's, it's a tremendous entertainment Definitely. deal. Um, and, and the best, entertainment. Yeah, no doubt. So the best basketball players in the world, and I think the information and entertainment style that we do here and we've done here would play very well there. Um, but I, I want to try to add as much as I can from the TV and radio side. And I, I really do believe that everything that I want in my life 
you know, from, from a financial standpoint, from a living standpoint, from a being good for others standpoint, uh, sure. using it uh, as a platform for good. I, I think broadcasting can allow that to happen. And I'm, I'm hopeful that that does occur. Hey, do you have any questions for me? By all means, just fire. Well, I, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, I, I think that uh, uh, staying in it and, and, and contacting broadcasters is a great thing. You clearly have passion for it. And so I, I just want to congratulate you on everything that you've done. And hopefully you've got a, a great future in this, too. Well, I try. I mean, it's, I mean, let me just put it this way. The old adage for me is I do what I can with what I have. It's not, you know, it's never been about me. I mean, from time to time, yeah, it has been. But for the most part, I like to try to bring people along. Yeah. Even though I may be blind, that still doesn't that doesn't allow me to just sit back and say, "Oh, you know, what was me?" Yeah. Because that's not me. Yeah. And I, I can't I can't say what was me and then expect to you know get people to actually follow me. Right. Yeah. And and I I uh, certainly commend you for that. That's not you're not looking for a commendation. I know, but um, that's that's all part of it. You know, I people say that the broadcasts aren't about you. Well, well, they are. In, in some sense, in a small way, right? Because of how you do it, you know, uh, people, people listen to the, the, the gentlemen and ladies that, that, that they want to listen to or watch. Um, sure. And if it weren't that way, they would just literally have the, have the readout They'd be of, talking the, to themselves. of a game of a game tracker. I mean, really? Uh, so if it weren't about the personalities, um, they would literally find another way to follow the game. Uh, and so, yeah, this is an art form. We're, we're artists. You know, it's the same, yep. same thing as being a movie uh, in a movie or on a play. You bring your own sort of flair to it. And you've got to broadcast the way that you do. And, and you do. And, and I do as well. The people that we cover, they, you know, they provide the lyrics. We just provide the, we just provide the track and the beat. I hear that. Yeah. To what they do. Yeah. That's a good way of, good mean, way of putting it. I mean, if, you know, if we try to create our own music and our own beat, we're going to be way off. I hear you. Absolutely. Because every every game that we call, I mean, a matter of fact, what was it, last Saturday, I was calling Region AA the qualifier for the state tournament, which I didn't get a chance to do. Mm-hmm. But however, I didn't think it would be the beating that it became. Right. I just had to follow what was going on. I just really had with myself and whoever was spotting for me basically you know adding the stats as the extra layer to the actual right musical soundtrack itself no doubt yeah you're reading and reacting to it you're you're evaluating it uh you're putting the words to it and you're doing it uh, at at uh, a moment's notice so uh, sure. yeah you're you're just uh bringing everybody along and and hopefully the listeners and viewers trust the person that's doing it and uh at the end of the at the end of the day, it's it's broadcasting sports. There are a lot harder things to do, um, <laughs> but but hopefully we do it well. How do you keep yourself mentally sharp, even when you feel like you're dragging on a game by game basis? Like, what are your keys to keep yourself mentally, you know, squared away when you're not at your best? Good question. Some might say that I'm not mentally sharp from the start, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, to, to answer that, well, I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> but to answer that, you know, I, I, I don't know. You just you just do it. Um, luckily, 
you know, I, I, I work out, so I, I take a lot of pre-workout powder and that fires you up or before the start of a broadcast, you take a five hour energy and, and try to snap in it. Um, I've never done the five hour energy though. That, that's one thing I'm not doing yet. Well, I, I could tell you it works for me. It might not work for everybody. <laughs> it, it works for me. Um, and I could tell you too, that some of these nights in cold midweek Mac press boxes, you need all, <laughs> you need all the pep that you can get. That's for sure. What's the coldest game you remember ever calling? Thank you for bringing this up because <laughs> I've heard of a lot of broadcasters broadcasting in freezing or below freezing or darn near zero. Sure. Um, probably back in central Illinois in high school football, but here. Um, well, when their game you had where it was in the 40s or was it during the season? Well, sure. Yeah, we've, we've had, we've had some really cold games. Um, here in Athens, there was a game uh, where it was uh, below zero wind chill against Northern Illinois, and so the Huskies were incredibly comfortable with that. Uh, of course they were. Uh, another, another real cold game was in DeKalb. Uh, luckily, though, you know, on this level, uh, thankfully, uh, a lot of these press boxes are enclosed, and we don't mm. open up the windows when we don't have to. Um, Thank you. But we've, we've, had some, we've had some cold ones, that's for sure. I know Bill Baker's been around forever and a day. And he's been with NIU forever with football and men's basketball. Right. What's your interaction when you've got a chance to chat with him when you all played each other? Well, I could tell you uh, that my story about him is going to be a little unique because my father applied for that job and he was a runner up to Bill Baker for that job. Whoa, hold on. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, now my interest is peaked. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't end this without this story. Well, because yeah. this one sounds pretty good. Well, my for infotainment purposes. Yeah, no doubt. No, I, and it's, it's, it, it's, it's just, it is what it is. And um, so I grew up a Northern Illinois fan and, and my, yeah. my parents are Northern Illinois fans. And mm -hmm. uh, my dad was a broadcaster and, um, so he, he never got that next big break. Um, and, uh, so your dad was a broadcaster. Yeah. Yeah. Broadcasted in, uh, Paris, Kentucky, Rensselaer, Indiana, Rochester, Indiana, um, ties to Chicago. basically small, small, town. smaller towns. Sure. But remember where, where radio was back then when small town mm -hmm. radio is bigger than it is now, uh, where it wasn't man that it's sad. Yeah. And so. Um, he applied for the job at Northern. Jerry Ipaldi was the athletic director there at the time. And uh, my father had a really good chance at that job and, and turned out to be the runner up to Bill. And Bill's had it for 40 years. Uh, Bill might not remember that. Um, and so I, I listened to Bill when I was growing up, uh, being a Northern fan. And, and so obviously, uh, I still listen to Northern games and uh, give when you're not playing. Then. Sure. And, and give credit to Bill for the longevity. Uh, and, and what he's done there in DeKalb. But yeah, there, there's a part of me that wonders what my father could have done with that job and what life would have been like. But, you know, that, that is what it is now, and you can't change that. But I, I most certainly believe that my father deserved one of those big breaks. Bill got that job and has kept it ever since. To close this thing out, who of the big, uh, of the power fives do you listen to or you've gotten a chance to meet and converse with? That you've enjoyed. Well, I, I Paul Keels at Ohio State's a pro, um, mm. and obviously he's got the voice of God as well. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's, Definitely. Uh, Dave Bennett at Northwestern, 
Um, who I've emailed on more than one occasion when you get on this pod, by the way. Yeah, it would be great. <laughs> he, he's a great man and he's done a very good job there. Um, Dave Onzacker at Oklahoma State uh, is, is a real pro. And, and his yep. call of pistols firing touchdown Oklahoma State is, is an awesome call. And they- I remember him talking about that on one of the podcasts that I'm subscribed to. And I think either Logan or somebody asked him, you know, when he came up with that call, did he think it would be where it was? Yeah. And I don't think most of us broadcasters really do catchphrase stuff. No, I, know when you're, you come, you're right. I know when you come up with your call, six for the cats or bang, and I will use bang nine to dime and three, as you probably have heard me do. Sure, like absolutely. <laughs> Because we steal from everybody. Absolutely. Nothing is what? nothing is unique. Yeah. <laughs> nothing is sacred. We're crooks. We'll admit <laughs> it. We're guilty as charged. But in a good way, of course. Sure, no doubt. Like, did you you got the chance to meet Tony Rowland yet, the voice of the Sermons? Uh yes, actually. So uh when I was in Oklahoma City, uh mm-hmm. Toby was doing his shows and, and I filled in for Toby. Um, oh on his show. Yeah. And he's obviously blasted off and he does such a great job there and the fans. That's a cool thing when you have that kind of a ability and you have the fans like, like the sooner nation has, uh, they'll eat up everything that he does and he deserves it. He does a great job. So yeah, back in the mid two thousands, I would jump on uh Toby's show. And there was a time there when he was at the, the I think he's still at the same station. Um, Phil on there, but but he's a good dude and uh, diehard Sooner, and he deserves it. And speaking of the calls, you know the signature stuff. You know, six for the cats was was very organic. It was just, and that's what I was, I was wondering about. That like six for the cats was that something that you just decided one day? Hmm, let's see how this works, or was that just something that was that was a happen circumstance? Sure. Yeah, it, it, you know, in the in the course of a call, you know, 10-5, and then what is it? Well, it's a six for the Cats um, mm-hmm. when, when he gets there. So uh, six for the Cats, touchdown Ohio, you know, painted green and white um, was something that, that I started here. I love that. I love that end of game call, especially. You can paint this one. Right. Yeah, one. very good. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, Jeff Charles, who's at East Carolina, he, uh, he mm-hmm. does a painted purple and gold. Uh, and the late great Jack Crystal, you can paint this with my friends, wrap it up in the room. Yeah, he, he did a, a great job with that as well. So, you know, it's all variations of different things. I'm not the only one that does bang, but it works for me. I, I've done bang since I did high school sports in central Illinois. Uh, and I know Mike Breen has made that very popular too. But, you know, bottom line, and, and as you mentioned to wrap it up, um, everybody's just got to be true to themselves. You, me, everybody. And then hopefully it, it all works out. It's been a blast, man. Hopefully we can do this again, hopefully. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And, and seriously, hopefully. keep keep grinding, keep doing the work you do, and hopefully everybody enjoys it. Hopefully we can do this again. And hopefully, I don't know, is I don't know if Vanderbilt's on the schedule anytime soon. I don't know what your schedule is for this year. It was in the nine time before you guys go into back play. I don't know where you guys are traveling to, if the schedule's come out yet, or if you guys already have an idea of where you're going to be this year in non-con play. Well, we'll be um, nowhere close to Nashville and Tennessee, unfortunately, in, in football. But, you know, men's hoops, you know, we've, we've been at Belmont. Obviously, the NCAA tournament run in 2012 was in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we played Virginia and Nashville because of the movement of the hurricane uh, a couple yeah. years ago. So 
Um, yeah, Nashville, for a lot of reasons, is important to the Cats and me. I, I love that town. Um, so, yeah, hopefully our paths cross. And, and if we're playing there, you're, you're going to be sitting right alongside us, all right? Oh, I'll put it this way. If you invite me up to the press box and I can sit and listen to you guys do your work and I can learn something, that's the plan. By all means, man, you're more than welcome. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Yep, be well. Take care.